either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean, we're back together. We are back together. We are on the road, virtually, to Toronto. I wish. I've never been there. I have been. It's beautiful. It's really fun. Really fun. And uh, we we are, this is the chats on the road. We're virtually on our way to uh, Sector Canada, which is part of the Black Hat Events family. And uh, so I'm wearing my, my Black Hat shirt here just to, uh, to help promote, no, just because I love what they do. And um, yeah, as you know, Marco, the, 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 the Sector and the Black Hat conferences are all about research and uncovering new things with respect to threats and protections and how we how we look at cybersecurity from societal to business uh, to individual perspective that full circle and this year i picked a few topics that i wanted to dig into i've recorded one already on enterprise browsing and uh, today we're talking critical infrastructure and i'm thrilled to have marina crotofil on who uh, is going to share a bit with us about one of her sessions that she put together. Um, Marina, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to meeting the audience and yeah, to share what I have to say because I've been working in this field for almost over the 13 years. Uh, I've been witnessing how the threats historically evolved. Uh, I was really happy to be a part of the analysis of the uh, leaked Vulcan files, so-called, and I'm happy to share what I found and how uh, what we've previously seen, the cyber operations against cyber cri um, critical infrastructures, how it basically relates to what we've seen in the files. So I'm looking forward to talk about that to the, uh, like on the stage. Well, I think, I think you have about 20 minutes to tell us about 13 years of research. <laughs> Can you can you condense that? that in there? Can you squeeze it in? <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's sufficiently. You know, I mean, um, it's it's actually one timeline because um, you know, like it's all started in 2010 when we first uncovered Stuxnet because Stuxnet as such was not that. I mean, I don't want to offend those who developed it that it was not that sophisticated or worrisome because at the end it is a piece of uh, malware uh, like in such as the design but i think what is more worrisome and uh, what it is unleashed because after that the pandora box was open it's just for the uh, in this context it's russia who basically discovered that usa and israel possess such capabilities and they apply them and they felt like they need to catch up. And this is why the amount of operations which we've seen from them, and uh, there is multiple advisories, there have been um, indictments and so on. It's just been mostly because they were so in a hurry to catch up that some of their operations was loud and maybe I would not want to call them sloppy, but they had mistakes because those were not carefully planned. 
Um, and uh, yeah, we had an opportunity to see what they have been doing and everything like the Vulcan files again, which we uh, I analyzed, they just confirmed that all of the previous operations were leading towards basically having this strategic, tactical, centrally managed cyber operations. But in reality, it's just one timeline from 2010 until today. And how, for the people that don't don't follow maybe too much the, the info security part of this, but they're interested in knowing what's going on. When we talk about cyber warfare and we talk about kinetic real war, but in my opinion, everything is real anyway, even if it's online. Um, what has been changing for that? So I think the perception is that the cyber warfare, it's a, kind of a support to the second role with the with the kinetic attacks but I, I guess that it's not that simple i guess the things have been changing uh, lately so what, what can you say about that yeah that's a very good question because uh, so the stacknet was a cyber physical weapon yeah it was a cyber weapon which targeted physical infrastructure this centrifuging uh, uranium and throughout these years until uh, the war in ukraine it has been a strong belief that cyber weapons can become strategic and tactical weapons uh, which could um, like be equal to the kinetic weapons when uh, when for example destroying critical infrastructures like electricity water supply i don't know manufacturing production and so on and it's been overhyped and um, my specialization is exactly cyber physical security and i spent a lot of years and many talks on the stages telling that no it's not that easy i was just not believed i was just nobody believed me because i've tried it i've developed such exploits i've designed such attacks on real infrastructures i've been saying hey look there is so much work in there there is so many unknown there is so many edge situations it's just not reliable enough uh and uh i was just not believed because others just wanted to, I mean, it's human that want, you want to believe in wonders, like call it like that. Yeah, we all believe that something, one, like, yeah, wonder exists. And during the war in Ukraine, it was before the war in Ukraine, it was expected that cyber will be like, we will see like all the power plants or substations will be taken down by the cyber weapons. It didn't happen. It was kinetic. And the reason for that, um, I also assisted, uh, Mm, our Ukrainian government when we analyzed what to expect and they had a lot of list of concerns whether this attack is possible and this and this and this and this will be all this critical infrastructure taken down by the cyber and I say no 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 every scenario what they had in mind or were afraid of we had to cross out because I say hey you need also on top of this 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 and this and this so any like basically very strong and destructive kinetic effect needs to be cannot be achieved that easily or at all by cyber so you need to combine it with physical sabotage but if you have to combine physical sabotage you might just use physical sabotage um so and that's exactly what has happened and the same for example uh in reverse ukraine when they were targeting russian critical infrastructure on the border those were uh, kamikaze drones, which were carrying explosives. Uh, the reason for that is that, like, maybe I will also go back quickly to the Triton attack. Um, 
So the whole intrusion to reach needed assets, which you need to exploit, the whole intrusion lasted 12 months. And we know that to develop the exploit, which they've been using against the safety PLCs, because the attack was uh, targeting safety PLCs. This is a control system which prevents explosion, toxically uh, releases and so on. So basically protects humans in the plant. Um, so developing the exploit also lasted more than 12 months. So it's a very, very long operation. It's expensive. Uh, it's hard and it still failed. Why? Because cyber is too unreliable, too many unknowns. We still don't know how to use it tactically. If you take the kinetic weapons, why every country carries out extensive drills and tests when they develop new weapons? Because you need to learn it, how it works. And you mm. need to bring find the way how to use it reliably. With cyber, we are still not there. So it was a little bit overestimated. Okay, that's interesting, Sean. You know what it is? It's kind of like magic. They, they make you look here, and then they do the magic on the other hand. <laughs> right? And I'm, for the people listening, I'm just doing some magic tricks, which I'm not able to. But it, it's kind of like a decoy, in a way. Right, Sean? A bit of, bit of deception and uh, distraction, uh, perhaps, uh, involved there, yeah. And I, I'm wondering, so maybe we can get to some of the, the, the nuggets in the in the um, in the files. You talked about techniques and tactics and uh, signals of of, uh, of attack and compromise and things like that. But I, first, I want to kind of stay high level and, and ask you: Are you able to glean kind of the mindset of of the bad actor group? from what's in the in these documents because kind of kind of to your point they're they're doing some analysis of what's our objective how do we reach that objective how does cyber play into that what are the costs and returns on on that effort can you glean a, a mindset from from this group uh, would be interesting this, yeah very good question um so i think the most the most important fact to know about the Vulcan files is that in Russia, cyber operations are now being predominantly moved under the Ministry of Defense. It means it's truly so. Let's think about a definition of uh, warfare. Yeah, the war is intense military conflict. Warfare is a, a military strategy of hybrid operations. So warfare as a such is not necessarily a weapon, it's a strategy, but it is a military strategy of conducting hybrid operations, which involve politics, uh, diplomacy, uh, psychological operation, information warfare, cyber, and everything else. So it means it's just very strategic, tactical thinking, instead of basically being a civilian thinking, which is Lost less a little bit strategic. Military is eyes on target, cost is nothing, being effective, you know, like collateral is less important and so on. So uh, cyber is now being moved officially, what we see from Vulcan files, into under the military of command. So it will become very strategic. And this is where cost becoming less and less important. So in uh, Vulcan files, we when we look at the... Um, graphical user interface, which are used to be uh, like basically software where the commanders are planning the operation and ordering certain operations. There is so-called, um, how to say, they, they need to account of which uh, resources you need 
but it's not about the money. It's just like, I need a submarine or I need, I don't know, like access to Deutsche Bahn or Deutsche Bank. Uh, and I need like, I don't know, 200 soldiers, like cyber warriors, but it's not about the money. So as soon as we start talking about war and, and military operations or basically money is no longer uh, matter. So the only what they will be taking into account is how much time to react they have. And this is why, so Vulcan Files is not about, and I now will answer your second question. Vulcan File leak, uh, leak is not about uh, leaked uh, techniques and tactics because those are changing daily. You know, like if you want to know about those, you need to speak about national sorts around the globe because they meet them daily. And cyber weapons, tactics, and techniques, they can become obsolete overnight. As soon as they are discovered, they are almost ineffective. So Vulcan files are about creating centralized strategy and software platform to support centralized management of cyber operations. But it's also about long-term preparations to conduct cyber operations when you need them. So that is basically, again, where the hybrid warfare comes into play because it's long-term military thinking. So uh, they have, for example, this Khan uh, platform is about uh, having uh, strategic uh, permanent access to the organizations of your interest, like uh, critical infrastructure, banks, financial transport, uh, diplomacy, ministries, and so on. And then you have to have all the necessary information and level of persistent access with necessarily privileges to execute tactical operations whenever needed. If tomorrow um, the whole strategy or let's say uh, Russia, let's say, would like to take, I don't know, I'm just taking over on Germany because I'm German citizen. So that's just kind of like, let's see if there is a, a conflict. And they want to say like, hey, I want to bring the Deutsche Bank down. It means that they want to have a, a level of access and knowledge about that organization that then within, I don't know, week, they can execute that attack. And it has to be reliable enough because all, military thinks about reliability timeliness it has to be puzzles has to uh, fit together so it means that, that politically they already maybe will provoke a conflict the cyber attack will be ready they maybe will do some diplomacy maybe uh, some uh, information warfare some disinformation and it's all together has to come timely in the same time so that it fits into the operation that is what is the vulcan file is about so this is within mod now and i always have this I'm sure it's a naive view that a lot of the aggressive cyber stuff is nation state sponsored, but not nation state controlled. This sounds like there's much more internal, well, much more organized than, of course, that has to be. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there's that whole world that I, I'm just wondering, is there any glimpse into not just the offense part of this, but the defense? How do they ensure that their operations are resilient. Does, does it cover any of that stuff? Yes, there have been some coverage that, uh, so one of the modules which was in those, um, let's say, platforms, which among those leaked files was about um, training. And indeed they were training not only to do offense, but also how to defend own infrastructure. Uh, and actually it's, interesting that on one hand they want to defend own infrastructure i don't know i mean mostly military because a lot of those operations which are described in the leaked documents are aimed at 
own nation. So majority of disinformation, control of what information is being fed to the population, it's all written in those documents that this disinformation is created first and foremost for own citizens. So Russia is one of the biggest part of those operations and probably best described in the documents are information, I mean, not even information warfare, but mostly psyops. Because, I mean, at the end, information warfare is psyops if it is strategic. So uh, on those territories, on own territories, and those which they conquer or would like to conquer, they would like to completely cut off the internet and basically be in the middle. So if you're sending the request to Google, like, hey, I don't know, war in Israel or war in Ukraine, it will be returning results and articles what Russia want to return. And you basically will be believing in fiction. So that's what they do on the TV at the moment. They also want to do the same on the internet. They're already doing it, actually. In fact, the system is already installed and operational. So this capability is now already being used by their, their uh, military units. It, it, it inspired me a couple of, of comments when you went into talking about the, the, the use of the media, the propaganda, which, which again, it's something that has always been part of war, except that maybe in, during the, the, the early war, it was done by dropping a uh, little, little piece of paper from pamphlets, <laughs> pamphlets from, from the airplane and try to make people move from one side to another, uh, giving information that they didn't have and moving the needle in one direction or another. And now we have and a higher reach with, with the internet, of course. So my, my observation is that while it cannot be maybe so effective from a physical perspective, these cyber war are actually much more effective in the propaganda and, and creating the, 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 the dialogue that, that you want uh, compared with what it used to be. So there is still a big value. That's my point. Um, but it's not that, I'm going to push a button and I'm going to stop, uh, I don't know, an energy plant from working. That's right. And I think, yeah, it's more about, con I like really the world which, uh, word which Sean uh, used, like controlling, you know, it's just mm -hmm. like, yeah. uh, so that's about controlling the masses. You know, that's the easiest way to control the masses. And that is what is dangerous. You know, like if you controlling the internet and the information which is flowing into the area, that is the most dangerous threat of all for me. Because as long as you believe and have hope, you know, you're alive and you're fighting. Mm. As long as this, so this is what happened also in the Ukrainian territory. The first thing was they done, they switched off the local, like basically on the occupied territories, they completely disconnected basically Ukrainian base stations for the cellular internet and wired mm. internet, and they basically provided their own internet. And mm. people stopped having access to the realistic information. And when they were like those villages and towns which were liberated, they they're most, let's say, they were very angry that Ukrainian government did not make an effort to provide them with the realistic information because they found that it was the most difficult to maintain that hope. That Because they don't know what's happening with the war. They had no information. And they found that being most difficult. Is it one day I have to wait two? Is it already over? They don't know. So I don't know even how those people survived so long waiting. It's social engineering. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's wild. 
and scary. Um, but uh, this is why we talk about it, so we can understand and hopefully learn and, and prepare for these things and uh, take take a proper stance when necessary. Exactly, but maybe like what I wanted also to say is that we've been talking. Yeah, I know we've been a little bit on intense topics, and I got a little bit emotional about it because you know I'm born Ukrainian, so clearly you know these operations affect me personally. But also, you know, like. These operations also have relationship not only to war, but also to the civilian times for mm. several reasons. Firstly, preparations for those operations which will be conducted in time of crisis or war are being done during the peace times. Because mm. if you need like 12, uh, 18 or 24 months to get access to the organizations of your interest, they are starting in advance in the peace time when you are not weighty like basically you're not expecting them yeah you're not pay paying attention you're a little bit more relaxed so this is the thing what has happened is in israel why this sudden attack was successful because they were paying a little bit less attention because they saw that like everything at least in the balance or at least they did not expect this uh, escalation but also uh you know like falsely or let's say Naively, many middle and small size organizations are believing that they are not a target. But, you know, the attackers need a lot of infrastructure to conduct their operations. You know, they need proxies, they need assets to conduct denial of service attacks, they need a lot of jumping hosts, they uh, also to run their tour nodes and whatnot. So, uh, a lot of, they need a lot of infrastructure. So, it means a lot of computers will be taken over to be part of that infrastructure. So you are a target and the small organization, the last year protected, I'm conducted like I'm currently on the audit in the medium sized financial organizations. And I'm pretty in shock how poor, poorly protected or unprotected infrastructure is. It's just like, just take me, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, and this is why governments also still need to be worried and why matters and important because again this file just tells us about you know like many threats are you need to extrapolate and analyze you know they're not directly in the documents because everybody thinks like oh what exploits what techniques no it's not about because exploit is unimportant tomorrow it will be another exploit that's nothing you need to see at the strategy and long-term game and that what was so uh what Vulcan is telling uh, us files and also mm, I've been watching and let's say following the Russian cyber operations for many many years a lot and I've been seeing them I understanding I, I understood them I understand why they were conducted and um, it was often that um, I was the only maybe person or maybe one of the very few who could really connect the dots and had strong hypothesis of what's happening and why and there have been not very there were only very few people who could understand understand me the rest was just like oh yeah come on maybe not and then you read these files it's just like hey but that is exactly the confirmation of my words so i was really very pleased that all of my hypotheses were confirmed because sometimes you start feeling like am i really maybe some kind of like you think that you're going crazy a little bit because you see all of this evidence and you can see how the dots connect, but you just cannot prove. And suddenly everything was proven. So it was a really big relief. And I gave, gave this talk, which I will be giving in Toronto, like in a couple of small 
venues in, in front of very competent people. And believe me, it was a little bit of, how to say, gave me a little bit of closer to brag, like, but I told so, you know, like, it's like, I co closed a little bit the gestalt, I needed it. Hmm. Su super interesting. And I, and I like your point. I like many of your points, but the, the one about during war and, and during peacetime, because I mean, the, the most important things in our earthly world are land, the resources, and then the power, which equals money to exploit one or the other or both of those. And let, let's not be fooled by uh, nation states looking to control these, our critical infrastructure and the infrastructure itself to weaken one thing, strengthen another, all with the ultimate goal of gaining themselves, be it a, a nation state or some powerful organization or person even. And uh, so I, I think I love that point and, and a lot to, lot to uncover here. I want to kind of wrap with your, your session, which is on uh, Wednesday, the 25th of October. Uh, do we really need to worry about critical infrastructure discussion about cyber ops in the context of leaked Vulcan files? Um, what do you want people to take away from that after they, after they hear you and, and uh, connect with you there? Well, I really would like, I mean, that of course people come to my session. And I think uh, one of the points which we did not cover in this conversation, but I will cover extensively, is how all the mass, previously massive amount of already uncovered and detected campaigns which Russia conducted and for which we either have already indictments or advisories, uh, because I will show how the Russia was preparing and practicing and developing these capabilities. One of the reasons why I'm giving this talk is because um, I heard a couple of analysis of the Vulcan files done by other uh, um, analysts, and they were saying, like, Russia would like to develop capability. No, Russia is already having this capability. They've been practicing and developing them throughout, since 2010. At least this is what we see like we have evidence now they are b building the platform and moving it into the under the ministry of defense to use it more tactically strategically but they already practiced everything so that um that attack for example the triton attack which was i mean i was confident that it was executed by the military because only military would uh try to disrupt the uh, system which protects civilian populations uh because it's max, maximum damage. Uh, and uh, I, I knew that it is like, that's coming somewhere from that, let's say corner. And now we have evidence that it was indeed uh, on the, let's say the GRU um, wish. So it's just like, hey, can we do that? Can we test it? So I guess I would like, I mean, like as a teaser that, yeah, I will be covering all of those previous operations and I will be showing how do they relate to what we found in the Vulcan files. Wonderful. I, I'm glad that I've been part of this conversation because it's not really just about cybersecurity. It's all connected. It's very much political science, societal, and I don't want to sound Machiavellian, but uh, you win the war in time of peace because either you prepare to the attack or you prepare to 
to your defense. I think it's going to be a fantastic session. Uh, if it's half of what we already talked about, this is already amazing. So thank you so much, uh, Marina, Sean. Uh, I'm looking forward for, I think we have a few more conversation about sector. We, we certainly do. Uh, and uh, yeah, a few, a few more chats on the road to, to, uh, to share and hope everybody gets a chance to participate in the event, connect with Marina and others that are presenting. It's always good research, good stories, good learnings uh, that they share a lot of what we care about Marco, which is getting people to think. So Marina, thank you so much for, for putting that session together, sharing a bit with us today and certainly getting uh, me to think differently about the, this whole space. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, that's exactly what my objective is to make people think differently. So it's just about giving people a little bit more information to start thinking more in deep, like let's say independently from newspapers. Very important. Okay. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay tuned for more. Subscribe. We'll be back. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our On Location Conversation. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.